Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And what you gonna do? Big, massive dump. Know your mouth and shut your roll. All men. You don't know what our times are, Daddy. That was perfect. All right, guys, you are here with the driveway athletes. You know, I've been debating going with the DA and having some kind of stupid spin on that. I'm not quite sure it works. Like, 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 a, like, like, we do like a law like district attorney. Yeah. We could do like a like, law and order sound. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I got to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be okay. So like, um, I just want you to know I am live and I am not a cat. Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous, man. Dude, like the judge is like being very patient with him. If you guys haven't seen, there's a viral video. I would, I would imagine everybody's seen at this point where an attorney's like zooming into a courtroom and he's got a kitten filter on. And you can see he's very panicked by the way the little, little eyes are going around of the <laughs> of the cat. But like, also imagine that guy like being your representative. I don't know if it was like a civil or a criminal case, but he's like, no, I'll just go live as this kitten. Like, are you are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, uh, my assistant's trying to help me now. Like, <laughs> I understand that, Judge. Yeah. But I am live. Right. I am not a cat. Right. We can go. I'm prepared to go forward. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, like they're doing this like this or yeah, like this. He's this. about to give his opening statement and right. like, you're about you could be like facing jail time and your lawyer's such a schmuck that he wants I feel to like go this live is as de- a white kitten. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he wants to go on to, the record. This has to turn into like some sort of like SNL skit at some point. Right? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Right. I am like the eyes. And that's what kills me. You can see how I wish I could see like his actual face. Right. Split screen with the filter and like how panicked he is because the eyes of the cat and how much they're like darting around. And he's like, uh, uh." they're like looking down. Yeah. I want to see this guy sweating out trying to get this filter off. And he's like, Helen, you got to get this fucking thing off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, how long do you think he was working on? He's like, we just got to call in. We're late. We just got to call in. Right. <laughs> cat or no cat. <laughs> you think you think the judge is going to give me a hard time about this? Yeah. Like, what was he doing that it was on that? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, who was he like zooming with previously that he'd be using a kitten filter? Right, like maybe like one of his grandkids or something. I don't know. Or, <laughs> or his grandkid like, was using it before him, and it got or, left on. Yeah, or it's like the new like like ferry. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was at a ferry. Like he he didn't want to have to explain to the judge that he was using it the night before. Right. Yeah. It's like the Zoom equivalent of being like a ferry, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we're here. We're back. After a snow-filled 
week. <coughs> and uh, about a year, what was it? Well, it's last year about this time. Um, I bought my car going like, yeah, global warming. It's not really going to snow too much. It's not that much I have to worry about. Mm-hmm. I guess I was wrong, huh? Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were pretty wrong. I mean, I'll <laughs> stand by it because, like, it's still, like, out of 365 days, it's, like, a total of, like, even this year where we've gotten a couple storms, it's like a total of five days. Yeah, but, I mean, you have the Jeep, too, so just drive that around when it snows. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And and honestly, I think, like, I'm going to go on, on a little bit of a tangent here. So, like... I don't know. Like I have a shared back driveway. You know this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is like a normal Northeast Philly phenomenon for there to be like a like a if you live in a row home to have a back driveway and then everybody just shares it um, to get out onto the street. I don't know like what it was when they developed this part of the city, but like most neighborhoods, the row homes are kind of. St- like a lot of them are set up that way. It's like mm-hmm. more prevalent maybe in Mayfair than it is Morale Park, but there are some parts of Morale Park that do have the shared back driveway. Yep. And the rule is is that you um you shovel your car out and then you shovel like halfway into the driveway. And then your neighbor on the other side shovels their car out and they shovel their half into the driveway. And if everybody does that, then everybody can get out of the driveway. Right? Right. Me and the people across me are the only people that did it. Dude, I think it's a... um, It's a dying thing. Yeah, well, like... Being considerate. Well, and, like, the... It being, like, a... Like a community, like a sense of like yeah. caring about your community. Um, I will say, maybe because uh, my theory on 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 this situation that you're talking about is, you got a lot of renters and they could give a shit less. Yeah, but you like know? whether you rent or not, you still got to get your car out. Yeah, uh, yeah, they. They, yeah, I just, you're right. They do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just think you got a lot of people that don't really care. Um, yeah, I mean, but I think that that's the case. It's not just here, I guess, is also my point. It's like, so where I was getting at is, is like, I probably would have been like not able to drive like today because in the morning um, I couldn't get out of the back driveway. I didn't even try a waste of time. And like the first day of the snow or the second day of the snow last week, like those days I expect, but like when you've had like two days, I I don't know. Like it's just, it's crappy. I agree, man. Like, well, like the whole thing, when I used to live in like Fishtown, you know, it's just, you got these one way streets it's all street parking 
you take the time to shovel yourself out and then you leave and somebody parks in your spot right for three days yeah so (laughs) that is i mean that's yeah living in the city like i also don't like i think there I think there should be some sort of grace period where you do that and you do put like a cone there or something or a chair. It's usually a chair, right? Yeah. It's usually like a, like a beach chair. Yeah. And I don't know. Everybody's blackboard chair. It should be like a 24 hour period. You know, honestly, I just think you're a shitty person. You're just a shitty person. If you watch your neighbor dig themselves out and then you're like, Oh, going to go take their spot. (laughs) <laughs> like you're just you're just shit right you know like up oh, they just spent like half the day digging a nice spot out my spot now fuck you like you're just garbage yeah you're the McRib of persons oh man <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's been like, I, so I made this bet about like, it's not really going to snow that much. And then this winter, and it wouldn't even be that bad. Cause I could like, once you get out on the street, the roads have been fine. Yeah. For the most part, it's the um, shared back driveway. Yeah. Snow in the city is, I just think not. Yeah. It's definitely you're right like that whole situation with the parking and and shared spots is always like terrible people get shot over it yeah it's 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 not that part sucks for sure did you see that video from like or see the news report from the people in like scranton no so one guy is it took, a Scranton Strangler? Well, <laughs> I don't advise finding the video. Um, someone <laughs> sent it to me. Um, but neighbors get in an argument about shoveling, mm-hmm. and the one guy, like right on, like someone had like a ring or something like that. The guy fucking kills the two people and then kills himself. Jesus. So basically, like when you read the news article, it was like. The one guy, like the two neighbors, was like a man and a woman were basically like he had dug, I guess, his car out or shoveled his his walkway. And like they were clearing their car off and like throwing the snow on what he had just shoveled. And then they get in like a like an argument about it. And then like one of the members of the couple like threatens the guy. He comes out with a gun and the guy continues to threaten him. Mm. He fucking shoots them both and then goes in and gets a more powerful gun and like executes the woman in the middle of the street. It's it's like someone sends that and doesn't give you the warning that like you're about to see a faces of death video. And it will Jesus it might fuck your Christ. up, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like. Therefore, I don't go bitching out people who don't the share driveway. Yeah, I, I mean, I just... <laughs> but snow removal in the city is and not like Scranton is Philadelphia, but um, and neighbors will say snow removal and neighbors can get very contentious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, 
definitely a lot of fights over it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, on new, <laughs> now we'll get to the fun stuff, right? <laughs> get a good radio voice in for that one. So we had talked about doing some retro gaming things and we're both yet to play super Mario three. And I didn't plan on going through and replaying the 1993 hit game police quest open season, but I did say I would go back and watch the playthrough. So I did do that. Um, but I didn't pull any video clips. Did you have, I know I sent you some spot, like some time spots to go through and watch. Yeah, I did watch them and I, I got a couple of things to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys are not familiar, um, police quest open season, there were quite a few police quest, like games in the police quest series. Um, a former LAPD, I believe he was the former LAPD commissioner, Daryl F. Gates. Like he was like, I'm trying to think of like. It's like, the, like a Tom Clancy, you know, like a name that got like put on these games. And he actually came out and denounced this game um, shortly after it was made because of the racial stereotypes. Okay. Yeah. That. Because he was. what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I believe he was also a like um, a black police commissioner. So he was not very happy about the racial stereotypes pronounced in, or shown in that game. So, uh, uh, what year did that come out? 1993. Okay. Um, for those of you guys that don't know it, like, if you're younger, I, I don't, like, when I look at the numbers, the audience tends to be people our age, but I'm going to announce this as people who might not be. Um, this game was, like, a genre game that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, what they call, like, a point-and-click uh, game. Mm-hmm. So... It was like a CD-ROM style, which back when that technology came out, they really wanted to take advantage of like having a more realistic image on the screen. But in that, it couldn't be live action the way like a like a Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption would be today. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, it was like just like the image was like kind of like matted on the screen, and the characters would like move around kind of like the image and you had like set points you could go to um you couldn't just wander freely and like while they wandered around like you'd have to like click like an image for the hand and that would be to pick something up and or to talk like the yeah the the, like conversation bubble or whatever you would we would call that right um but that's how you kind of navigated the game. And it was very like purposefully those kind of games, like really made you go through the motions. Like there, there wasn't like a, like, Oh, if you do this, they'll automatically do it. Like you had to like take the key and use it on the trunk and then take the finger to take the things out of the trunk, you know, like, I mean, it was definitely like, very time consuming you had to follow the proper steps to like get to the next like get more things to open to actually solve part, the right. crime um so yeah like a game that i believe like watching the the gameplay now like i think it's like if you were to watch someone basically just go through the steps exact it's like 40 minutes 
But really, that game probably would take you like 80 hours <laughs> to get through because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to zigzag. You're going to, you know, like you're not going to do things in the proper order. You're going to get stuck um, because you had to really do everything in the proper order. I forget. Could you you could save, right? You definitely could, which was the benefit of computer games at the time. That wasn't really the benefit of console games at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like right around the advent of the PS1 and having like the memory card. Uh, which limited how much you could save. And before that, there really wasn't an option with, with Genesis or Super Nintendo. That's why those no. games were so hard to beat, the old right. the Super Nintendo and Nintendo games. You couldn't save. Um, so, like, so that, I'll say, that, so, like, that game, we just, kind of touched on it and i i did watch your video like you couldn't really make that game you could make that game today but there would have to be like major changes like the racial stereotype in it is it's awful and it's throughout it's like from top to bottom and it's not just like like those are horrible and then like I don't. I I want to get there, but there are also other parts that are that are. Um, we've learned a little bit since then, but um, mm-hmm. it gets made. It get, it comes out in ninety three, which means they probably shot some of that stuff like in ninety two, ninety one. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the deepest script, but I can't imagine like the technology did not allow for a very fast turnaround time. I would I would imagine like even recording voices and getting it on there, I'm sure was laborious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like a like a voice file. Could you imagine? Like, remember how long it would take to download a song in the two thousands? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> like at, getting a voice file onto a computer and then matching it up to a part of a game. I'm sure was like just getting that to happen. I'm sure was took so much time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like all the coding and everything. Yeah, for right. Like I remember back like downloading a song in the two like early two thousands. Like you would set it up to download before you left your house for school, hoping that it would be done at the end of a school day. Man, how ridiculous. <laughs> well, trying to download songs on a 56K modem, you know, yeah. like, and then, like somebody, somebody calls and it ruins. Oh, the whole it bumps thing. you right out. Or, or, you know how like that, the old like Napster and, and uh, what was it? Kazaa was it LimeWire. There were like three yeah. of them. And like, or you click the wrong version and it's just a virus and you, you know, like you, you set it to download stuff that you might catch it if you were home because you saw like a song was taken like 10 minutes rather than like an hour, (laughs) but you set it before you went out to work for the day. So you don't, and you're just like, oh, I fucking just crashed my computer. Napster days, right? Yeah. Napster. I think it was like LimeWire was even worse. I feel like that came after Napster. Napster right? was the first, right? And I like—I feel like I was like a freshman in college when like Napster was like the, at at its like peak, and then by the time I was graduating college, I think LimeWire was the one that everybody was using. It's like Lat- Napster, and then I think it was Kazaa and then LimeWire. But the good old days of burning CDs and having a whole book of them in your car for your portable CD player, plugged through the tape deck. <laughs> 
But that's even well after this game came out, which was 93. You were lucky to have a CD player in your house. Right. (laughs) You know, like, I think, like, the one Christmas, 93, I think, like, the one Christmas, like, in 91 or 92, my sister had gotten a stereo that had, like, a three-disc CD changer. And it was like, holy shit. You can have three CDs in here at once. (laughs) Man. Times have changed, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just think of all that stuff that's just completely changed. Like, and we'll get back to police quests, but like, like CD art, like that was like a thing. Like the little booklet that would come in your like with your CD or album, and like it would have art or the lyrics or different. You know, like that's just dead. It's like a dead thing now. Oh, that's gone. Yeah, that is that's completely gone for sure. You know, like, and how stoked would you be if it had the lyrics first? You know, like, that was like the gold mine when the band put the lyrics in it for every song in the booklet. I mean, I feel as though, pro- I mean, I-, I would like to see data, but I would say most people don't even download a whole album oh no no that's like a single song right and that's why like i don't know when that shift had happened but like that's why the even the music industry like pushed artists to be making more singles than entire albums like yes they might release an entire album at once but really like i don't know like i feel like when they released albums before it was just like you might have like a couple like radio friendly like the songs to get people to buy the album but the Mm -hmm. album was the album you know like and a lot of in a lot of cases now it's just like a compilation of like 13 singles everything's featuring something or Mm -hmm. but i I don't know i haven't i don't really listen to that many like new bands anymore I'm, i'm that old at this point yeah, I, me either. Uh, There's like a few. I download, so I downloaded the uh, Machine Gun Kelly um, album, the whole thing. And the whole thing is great to me. I mean, it's the first album that I've downloaded in a while where like, I like every song. Oh, I mean, I like not like 80% of the songs on the album. Which is I think like what someone like you or I expect, right? Like you would buy a CD and spend like $20 on it and maybe like half of it, you know, mm-hmm. and then the other songs grow on you. Right. Um, uh, so, but that CD, that album, whatever we want to call it, that feels a very like missing niche. I don't even want to say niche. It feels a very missing audience. You know, like, I just feel like the type of music that was put on that CD, that that genre of music has, even though there's bands making it, it has missed, has been missing, like, the best band making it. Right. Like, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it, it's a throwback to, like, I mean, Blink-182, really. Yeah, like early, mid to like late 90s through mid 2000s pop punk. Like pop punk. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, uh, but now that Napster and Kazaa have, uh, and LimeWire have taken us down this this road, 
um, we can bring it right back into like stereotypical racist video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's like, it's so blatant and it is really like race. I like, I, it's uncomfortable. I wonder like what, what the makers of this game were, were thinking at the time. Well, and, think about it though like i i think that you and i right 1993 i was like 12 right um, oh yeah i was probably 14 right we don't think of it as being as long ago as it is and i think yeah and i guess at the time like fine like at the time like i probably didn't sit there and think that you know like it's funny, like that just hit me like right away. Oh my god, it's so bad. It, it made me like, it made me uncomfortable. And basically, what it is is, is <coughs> you know, you have black characters that are obviously voiced over by white people doing a black person's voice, and it sounds in a stereotypical manner, right? And the same thing with like an Asian person an asian store owner yeah an asian store owner is is a white guy doing an asian woman's voice like it's just very stereotypical like oh it might as well have been that like um that spoof movie with the waynes brothers where it's like exactly you know that's exactly what i thought of like but this wasn't done as a joke no because this is like a serious it's a game you're a detective you're well it's a heavy a, crime yeah. too like right. you're you're investigating the death of your ex-partner and then like and a child that were found dead in the same alleyway and then another cop that was found dead like on his um lawn mm-hmm. so you, it's like this heavy heavy crime that you're investigating and it's like holy shit <laughs> like at one point, the lead suspect is called like Yo Money or something like that. I forget what right. you know. Like it just was like I have to look that up because like it was like you're, you're investigating it. And it's taking you down like a couple different lanes, and the and the guys like uh, like a like a gang gang banger in the neighborhood, and that's like one of your first lead suspects. And it's like that even that name is bad. And that's not going by the guy like doing the voiceover. Where he's like, you know, I, 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 I'd be sleeping. And it's like, what, yeah, like, I mean, come on, man. It's, it's hard. It's really bad. You know, it's just, it, it's a shame. That's how it was back then. You know, like I, again, like I'm kind of glad we've, come to a point in our society where that wouldn't like really it doesn't yeah it doesn't work you know know, like um and that's the thing is like i remembered like i picked this game we talked about retro gaming because i remember loving this game um me too yeah i was a big fan of it and um it's like 1993 you're talking about like you know like law and order has only been on for like a year or two Special Victims Unit hasn't really started. NYPD Blue's not on the air yet, I don't believe. Like, uh, that, that may have been on the air. I, 
or it was cl- like it just didn't start. Like yeah, the for, gritty yeah. like crime story wasn't on every channel like it is now. Right. You know, like it was like a big thing. Like law. I remember like Law and Order. Like it was big in in my own house. Um, but like it wasn't like what you consider it like now. You know, like. That's like a stalwart tell. It's been on, just special victims unit has been on for 22 years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's easy to think of now where there's like a crime procedural show on at every hour of every day. It's like a college campus party, you know, like um, there's always one happening. So, yeah, it says like NYPD Blue came out in 93. So, so. same year. Yeah. Same year. So, like, this is like the... When I had written, I had written up some some points I wanted to hit, but like, this is kind of like the beginning of introducing like, like real law enforcement procedures into like the mainstream. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, the the game was basically written by a, a police by, officer yeah. right so like you've got to as a detective you've got to draw like a chalk outline you have to use like a glove to pick up evidence like and it makes you do these things you've got to like make notes about the graffiti in the area like you've got to um you've got to go to the, the shooting range to qualify you know and like i was like 12 i think i said i was 12 right 93 so i was like i was 12 these aren't really things you think of as like a kid who might, you know, who doesn't have law enforcement in their family right. um, as like parts of like the, the doldrums of the job, you know, like the things that you've like, quote unquote, got to do. <laughs> like, yeah. you think of like being a cop, like when you're that age or younger as like chasing the bad guys. It was definitely, yeah, it, it, it was, um, I don't want to say like a bit ahead of its time, but it, it definitely, it definitely was. It wasn't, it wasn't right. It's, right. it's a product of its time with how horrible it, it is in, in its stereotype and, and racism, Sure, but ahead of its time in like crime procedural drama was not part of the american lexicon or or i don't want to use words that are too big um part of the american vocabulary in 1993 no they weren't um so like you're chasing what appears to be or what they're pushing you to think is like a gang a series of gang murders (coughs) um and eventually you end happen upon this like old timey movie theater, even for 1993. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and the propriety of that theater gives you like a soda and lets you watch a movie for free. And you probably pass out. Um, he wakes you up, kicks you out. And then, like you leave and go back and find a woman in the same condition that you were just in. And then you get knocked unconscious. Um, and basically not to walk you through the ending of the game, but basically the proprietor of this movie theater ends up being like 
1993, so they're not going to do a good job at telling you exactly what's going on here. But I'm going to say ends up being a cross-dresser. So, because... I'm not going to say this person is trans because we don't know. Right, so... Um, I'm going to say the plot is a little... It's kind of close to like like it, it reminds me of like like Silence of the Lambs a little bit. Well, I think that at that time, because that again is becoming part of something that the masses are learning about, and there is a lot of othering of that community. Mm-hmm. And even even in '93, there's still othering of gay. You know, like, and then this is even more on the. I don't want to say fringe, um, even more on the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And um, so <clears throat> I feel like back then, yeah, it mirrors it because I think it was just a subject that I don't know if it was law enforcement or drama was trying to find a boogeyman. Yeah, like this. I mean, yeah, like, uh, like, ser- you know, like this, basically like a serial killer type, you know, like it, and that's why, like, it kind of reminds me of, well, of Silence of the Lambs. It comes bit. out right around the same time. I think Silence right. of the Lambs is 92 mm-hmm. and this game comes out in 93. So you also wonder if like either the people kind of knew when they were making this game that this was like a story that's being adapted to a film or whatever Thomas Harris was researching um, writing sound, like, cause that was a book. So maybe these people read <laughs> Tom, the, the sounds of the lands and decided to model their villain after. Yeah. Like I guess it rode the coattails of the popularity of a silence of the lambs type movie. Maybe you have the same, type of people that watch that movie that would play the game. So like um I don't know. That's kind of like my thinking. Anyway. Yeah, so the Silence of the Lambs book was published first published in eighty eight. So <coughs> um was a was a popular book, which now now you're talking about five years before this game comes out. So Silence of the Lambs movie is two years before the game comes out. The book is five years. So it would not be crazy for it to be heavy heavily influenced. And we're going to use influence very loosely because mm-hmm. it's a bit, a little bit of a rip, but not like not fully right. Like this isn't somebody who's kidnapping women and putting them in a well, but no, no, but your antagonist is someone like the same thing, right? Like the antagonist is someone that's not really discovered until late. Like you don't see them until late into the story, um, which is also true with Sansa Lambs. Um, the detective is a little bit clueless in, in locating uh, that and they're, they chase down some wrong leads. Mm-hmm. Now, while that's a trope that's true in a lot of police procedural shows and movies, there are a lot of things that, again, will be generous with how similar. Um, I mean, so like th- that game, so it, the, I will say come, so. Police Quest Open Season comes from like the Police Quest 
like series of games too. Like, and I right. can't really remember like the other games all that. I, much. There was a SWAT one that I did that I had purchased or my parents purchased for me, which was a lot more like it was not crime solving. Like if you were like the sniper, like you had to do the formula yourself for how to set your scope. It was very intense. Um, and I just didn't have the patience at that age to be doing more math than school required me to do. Yeah, so SWAT came out after. After open yeah, season. Right. Um, <clears throat> and and we also forget that games of that time, a lot of times, like, they reskin games. Like, they basically would take a game, change a couple things, and release it on the same operating, you know, like, the same platform. Engine. And yeah, the same engine, and then right. just um, reskin a couple things, and you know, put it in a new box. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess the point being is, is, and I wanted to get there at the end was as bad as they were with the race is also as bad as they did maybe with their antagonist, because it's like they gave this. It, it's the movie theater proprietor of some sort who lives next door, who's transporting bodies through a hole in the wall, but it's like a kid with a stutter or like a man with like a, stutter. it is. Yep. Exactly. And then, right. and then they're just like, Oh yeah. Also he has a mustache and is dressed like a woman, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's not, I'm not saying they've got to give me the pathology. I'm just saying like, it, even in like looking back all these years later, like, I just feel like they tried to do this to creep the uh, the 1993 audience out. Um, and I feel like Silence of the Lambs, even with Buffalo Bill, as much as that might feel dated, does a better job. For sure. Like, I guess uh, it's hard to do that in a video game. You know, It is, but then maybe, the, like, I guess my point is, is maybe, like, they could have just chosen a different type of antagonist. It could have just been a random fucking guy. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like they tried to give this character like like a shock value because when the right, it's hard to show without video. Um, but like when you get knocked out, it's like it, it's trying to be like the dogs jumping through the window in Resident Evil. It's trying to give you this like poop yourself moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, well, wait, all of a sudden this, this guy who's just stuttering at me is, has like a wig on. And I just feel like it's just like, there is no, like we, and I get I, your point is well taken and, and right. You only have so much time to introduce the pathology of this antagonist. Cause it's really at the very end of the game that you learn the identity of this person. Um, but um, they could, it could have just been the person, you know, like, I just, I don't know the reason that they chose to go this road other than to try and, you know, shock a little bit, shock yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's it. And, and, you know, now that you're looking back and I don't, um, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of like judging, 1993 through 2021 eyes there is a bit of like it just was unnecessary like a guy killing drugging people in a movie theater and killing them is just as scary if he doesn't put on women's women's clothes well i mean i guess the whole idea of us 
us doing this is that does it hold up does it hold up correct and and it doesn't in any sense of the word like i don't even think this held up in 1998 right right <laughs> <laughs> right it, it just doesn't it, it just doesn't like right. probably by 1995 you're a little cringy at this you know like it works in 1993 and before and then by 90 like and definitely by 98 like you know like yeah. it just it just didn't it just didn't work yeah it, it didn't and now it's even it's even more bad because it's like it's it hits so many boxes of just not surviving you mm-hmm. know like so that I mean just... I guess what it did do well is your point of like introducing that type of like kind of like gritty like police work and you know like like how to go through a game like doing the proper steps like all that type of stuff like that part it did well on the the crime procedural part i will say right. it did it yeah that part is like it's actually interesting to do you know what i mean it's not it's not to me it wasn't like boring you know what i mean it, it no for as much as it's point click point click point click right it is a bit of like oh shit like writing like you are doing an investigation you've got to write reports file you got to type them up you got to file them you know like you got to make sure the evidence gets to the right place you got to talk to the coroner mm-hmm. and that stuff again today in 2021 with true crime being everywhere and 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 crime procedural being everywhere it feels a little bit of humdrum, but like <clears throat> in 1993, it was like, oh shit, you're right. the, you're in, you have to go to the morgue, you know. Like, um, this was before everybody had to see Dennis Franz's ass on YPD Blue. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll say this: like the gameplay, while that genre of game does not exist anymore for me for that to still hold like in my brain that long had to be decent right right like but the execution is like beyond piss poor (laughs) it really is yeah for sure yeah i totally agree um so we will eventually play Super Mario Brothers 3, I promise. We will. Yep. Um, so on that, another subject we wanted to touch on today that we left hanging last week, because it is a subject I feel like I hint at a lot, um, and it's really inescapable, is the Eric Lindros saga um, yes. uh, in, in Philadelphia lore. Because I, like, I will say this, before we get into it, I feel like at this point in my life, any lightning rod player that ends up here, like I end up judging through the Eric Lindros lens. So that is something that has shaped how I judge players and fallout to this day. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, uh, it's kind of it's it's actually pretty relevant because of 
Carson Wentz right now. Right, right. And that's kind right? of, that's like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I don't want to say beating around the bush about, but that's kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so I know you said you took some notes. So where do you want to start the Eric Lindros saga at? Draft day? It has to be, yes. Yeah, draft. All right. So Eric Lindros is drafted by the then Quebec Nordique, which yes. become the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, um, but the then Quebec Nordiques, which are at that time a pretty disorganized franchise. Yep. Um, <clears throat> he vows to not play for that team and goes back to juniors for an entire season. Correct. The next year's draft comes around and the Flyers and the Rangers start kicking the tires for how to pry Eric Lindros away from the Newark Deeks. So if you want to get in your time machine, you have to realize that Eric Lindros was given kind of the next one moniker. Yes. Like he was going to be the next ex Wayne Gratzky, basically. That's right. what he was tagged as being like the Wayne Gratzky of the next generation. He's Wayne Gratzky goal scoring, but he can hit people. He'll fight, you know, like he's physical. Right. Um, he was going to be the, the logical next step for the next best player. Um, for a different generation because the game was played different between Gretzky, even though Gretzky's still in the league, it's played different from Gretzky's heyday compared to like, um, he, my team. Yeah, Lindros is your generational player. That's what he's tagged as to come in. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> the Flyers and Rangers um, both go into negotiations with the, then newer Deeks. Right. And both teams believe they have a trade made. Yep. Um, and it has to go to arbitration. Yes, because like the the Flyers said they had an agreement with the Nordiques and the the Rangers said they had had a um, agreement with Nordiques. And so this, it, this is probably why, like, take this in a nutshell, probably why Eric Lindros didn't want to play there. Like, look at what this team is doing. Right. You know, so it goes to arbitration. Flyers went out um, because they had a deal 80 minutes before the deal with the rain. They had an agreement with Quebec um, 80 minutes before Quebec also agrees with New York. Exactly. So that you want to talk about just being like shitty. Like once you say the deal is done, the deal is done. Yeah. You don't go keep working on another deal. Right. You can say, we, you know, like we will accept your deal pending this other deal. Um, but you can't say, yes, we accept your deal and continue negotiating with another team. Right. It's a pretty shitty business. But in that, because they did that, the Flyers actually had to give up even more to make up for what the Newark Deeks lost out on in the Rangers deal. So this is what they give up. All right. You want me to read Go it for all? It. Go for it. So... The Flyers give the Nordiques uh, Steve Duchesne, Peter Forsberg, Ron Hextall, Kerry Hoffman, Mike Ricci, Chris Simon, the Flyers' first-round pick in 93 and 94, and $15 million in cash. That's a That's, that's a, a haul. haul. That's a haul. <laughs> because you're really giving up Hextall what was supposed to be in his prime. Mm-hmm. 
Mike Ricci is a very nice player. Yes. Peter Forsberg, a Hall of Famer. Right. We don't know that then, but he's a late first round pick. He's a he's touted as being a very he's going to be a very good player. Um, you don't know that maybe he's going to be Hall of Famer, but you are expecting him to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and fifteen million dollars. And like kind of tracing these uh, first round picks that they gave up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the picks let was a trade to um, the Canadians. It was hold on, let me just bring it up real quick. Um, it was Jocelyn Tebow. A uh, goalie was picked in the 93 draft. He was traded to the Canadians and with another player for Patrick Waugh. Uh, not necessarily the best trade on Montreal's side, <laughs> but Patrick Waugh wanted out of Montreal. Right. I mean, so that pick kind of turns into a Hall of Fame, Hall of fame, goalie. Hall of fame goaltender. And Tebow. Right. Jocelyn Tebow knocks around the league, but he's a serviceable goaltender. Yeah, like I'm looking at his uh, – let me just look at his stats right now. So he plays – Chicago. I remember him being in Chicago. For yeah, he, he plays 586 games. He has a 500 record. Okay, I mean, not great, but uh, um, there's probably some years where he also wasn't on great teams. Right. His save percentage, I mean, you tell me, this seems pretty low. 90 – it's basically 90% save percentage. In the 90s? 94. Not 94. 94. Like 0.904. Uh, okay. So yeah. nine, like not quite 90 and a half. Mm-hmm. It's not horrible. but And uh, his goals against is 2.75. Which, depending on what time in the 90s, there is a bit of a dead puck era where goaltending or, or scoring goes way down. Mm-hmm. So, like, we look at it like goaltending is the best it's ever been. Um, but goals, at least this season, are up. Uh, so we look at a two-point two, two point and we're like, oh, that's pretty good. But I think, like, in that era, um, teams just didn't score. Like, there's there was, like, an explosion, and then we hit this dead puck era, like, in the – thanks to the Devils a bit. Um in like the mid to late nineties where goal goal scoring kind of goes off a cliff. So in, in hindsight retrospect, I mean, I hate to say this, but like Colorado wins out on that trade. Colorado wins out on the trade. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of hard to say that they don't, they get fours. They, they win a couple cups basically. They, They do. Right. Um, but it's, it's also not like they didn't get other players. Right. Right. You end up with Sackick, you end up with a couple good defensemen. Um, it's not like, so I guess my next, my next, the next words that I'm going to come out of my mouth is yes, Colorado wins, but the Flyers didn't do too shabby. No, I mean, they get a Hall of Fame player in, in return. And they are then a contender, like come ninety five for years. For yeah, until right. I mean, uh, two thousand and three ish. 
Um, they is, go to a Stanley Cup and lose, right? You know, like right. But they're always in the conversation as being the best team in the East. Yeah. Um, under the like Lindros years, he Lindros wins an MVP. He wins a heart. Yeah, he wins a heart trophy. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's a point per game player. Yeah. Um. So yes, they lose, but. Because do they build I, I the guess, same like, to me like straight up players like you're saying you don't know at the time but like I would say Forsberg rivals Lindros you know what I mean in, well in we of... know that at... all right so yeah point taken with Forsberg right like your your point is is um they're they're probably an equal player yeah right? um. But the the thing is, it's right. Like if you look at it now, it's hard to justify the trade because you know Lindros is going to have a shortened career. You know what Colorado does, but you don't. Lindros was known. Like you knew this guy was going to be good to great. Forsberg again with that. Like I forget when they took him. I I believe it was like after the fourteenth pick. You mm-hmm. you you just don't know. And at the time, and I feel like with the draft, and I feel like we get, as like fans today, we get like really wrapped up and like we overvalue the the draft a little bit. Um, Because a lot of it is crystal ball, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, And a lot of it, a lot of it is a bit of voodoo and you hope that you're, you have scouts who have a good record of it. But I, where I lean towards, I think where that trade really bites them is you end up sending Hextall away and then you end up bringing the guy back. So you lose him. <laughs> and by so, the time- uh, just, just qu- quick uh, correct. So Forsberg was taken sixth overall. Oh, sixth. I thought he was 14th. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you know he's going to be a good player. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Um, that, that does change things a little bit for me. Um, a sixth pick, you should be pretty confident is going to be a good NHL player. Mm -hmm. Um, fair enough. So, um, but I still say like, yes, what we know now is if, if you're going to get an equal player, you don't give up all the other things, right? Like, sure, sure. Um, but Looking at, again, to get in your time machine, the Flyers think they're getting the next Wayne Gretzky. The Flyers think they're getting the next, I mean, the, the name your best player from an era. Like, that's what they think that they're they're making this move for. Right. That, that they're giving up what is going to be a very nice player for what is going to be the player. And obviously, looking at it now, like, it, it gets much harder to justify. Also, I will say this, because I... um just reading a little further is uh, I totally forgot about this, but the Rangers for not making the trade or not getting the arbitration, they also win a Stanley cup in 94. Yeah. Um, Which is the next year. Right. So, you know, making that trade, maybe they don't win the cup, you know, like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things next <laughs> that 
I don't like are going to sound a way that I don't really intend for them to sound. But I do think we as fans, especially now, like, you know, you and I have gotten to see two championships throughout all four sports in our lifetime. Right. Yes. But our, it's going to sound like I'm OK with that. And that's not what I'm going to say. But. um. Is a championship the only measuring stick that we use? Um, yeah. Because it is. It so that's is. it. Yeah. It's like championship. It doesn't matter. You could be the worst team in the league or the best team in the league. It doesn't matter. Correct. It, yeah. It, it's okay. I think at my, at my point at 39, I just don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. I, for me, it's, it's, it, it is the measuring. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, yeah, we're using hindsight here for this, this trade. So like a lot, so a lot of things happen with Lindros. Okay. Now, extremely exciting. Play- Listen, my, one of my all time favorite players of all time. You know what I mean? I was, well, just pure domination. Guy, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and when he was on the ice, he was clearly the best player on the ice. Right. right. Like, that's a safe thing to say. When Eric Lindros was playing, except for maybe at the end of his career, when he was on the ice, it didn't matter who else was on the ice at the time. I don't care what team, what player, when he was on the ice, he was the best player on the ice. Mm-hmm. Maybe not um, like as far as the team game goes, like Lemieux is a better like all-around hockey player. But if you want to talk about a guy that could – if he touched the puck, could skate through everybody or skate mm. around anybody, anybody or just take the puck off of anybody. Right. I, I just, he's like the shack of hockey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good comparison. Um, and... Like was Shaq better than Jordan? No. Right. But God damn, if, if you know, like who's stopping him? Nobody. Right. right. Um. And for me at the to- that time, like that kind of game was exciting. Like a guy that can like crush people and fight and pass well and score and all those things. Like, well, what as- what made, what made him great was that he was great at all of those things. Right, he could get to the open parts of the ice fast. He had a hard shot. He had good, soft hands for a big man. Um, like, I guess, so I will say this about Lindros and the Flyers is they simply did not do a good enough job building around him. Okay, like, that's number one. Does that Does that have anything to do with this, you know, the the picks and the trade and all that stuff did did taking Lindros inhibit them from going out and getting a better goaltender and all that stuff? I, I would say no. Like it didn't. Like, um. So I what were I guess where I'm going with what you with what you're saying there? Right. Um. Think about the Flyers at that time. Like, they would outspend anybody if you gave them the opportunity. 
But what did they use that money on? A lot of time they used that on older guys. They didn't really build their farm, like, quote unquote, at that time. Like, it's not like they were building guys up that were coming through the ranks. Yeah, I guess you didn't really have to because you could spend whatever you wanted. You know, like, obviously, when you now when you build the team, guys that are good early in their career are cheaper right like it's, it's like a cheat code kind of right yeah, like, like and, and that's like any other sport you every know, other like, salary cap sport like you've got to optimize right the cheaper players you can't have like free agents you pay more for that like there's a premium for free agents you can't build an entire team that way um you've got to optimize younger cheaper guys like that's the, 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 the flyers of that time, if you're if we're kind of like comparing Avalanche versus the Flyers right now, like who won out on the trade, I I just remember the Flyers like only having like one scoring line. You know, what well I mean? they had they had probably the best. I mean that one of the best lines in hockey. Yeah, but, the, but that was. That and one it. good defense, like one solid defensive line, and then a bunch of big North American bodies. And never a goaltender. Right? Uh, never one that could keep it together all season. For um, multiple seasons, right. And definitely were... not for multiple seasons. They had guys that were serviceable. Right. But when it came to time the playoff guys, either they were out of it, you know, like they were they were too old and they were, you know, fading as the season went along. Or they weren't, you know, like, or, or they'd fall apart. Like, the story of Flyers hockey back then was, like, they'd get the most points in the league or, or up there. Like, they'd be a number one through number three C going into playoffs. But it would fall apart at some point when they started playing at tougher teams and their goaltenders were late in the season. Because a lot of times, you got to remember, they were bringing in older goaltenders. You right. know, like, not a knock against John Van Beesbrook. But by the time he ends up in a Philadelphia Flyers jersey, he's at the end of his career. Right. You know, like, that's a lot to ask of an older guy to play a full season and deep into the playoffs. It's not crazy. And we just, like, had this turnstile of bringing in guys past their prime, like, or journeymen who we thought we could just dominate teams and just outscore them. You know, if you score four, we're going to score seven. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you ran into the, like the Devils, they had the Flyers number because you're not going to put up seven. Yeah, I on hindsight, all that stuff. Like looking at what what transpired, because like you have to take into consideration too, like how the Lindros um, era ended in for the for the flyers all that kind of stuff like and we i feel like we discussed this on another podcast is that i i now believe that was uh really a bob clark problem right it's i would say it's it's like an 80 percent organization problem and a 20 like i will say that like having your father as an age as your agent I couldn't imagine being a general manager saying, no, you're saying your son's worth $8 million. I think he's worth six, (laughs) you know, like it's the guy's son. Yeah. 
Like that's got to be a miserable position. But the reality is, is the Flyers organization almost got Eric Lindros killed. Yeah, they tried putting this guy on a plane with a collapsed lung. He yeah, we've also died. discussed like head injuries at the time. You know, yeah. like as seen as um, being weak, weak or faking it or or whatever. Yeah. You know, like. It, that just would not happen in today's it's, world. So, but the, the, so here's the other part, right? Here's the flip side of that is the type of game he played. Like everybody is like, oh, he, his career short because his head's down. It's like, right. No, it was a different fucking era. You could check with your elbow up. <laughs> you could take four strides and now someone in a board. This was a physical player. Yeah. He's, more prone to get concussions based on that. Like he's six foot five, two fifty. The guy was a monster. Right. He's huge. Like what is considered a clean check in 1996 is not considered a clean check in 2021. Like this stupidity I hear about head down skating. When you play a physical game, like sometimes the hitter, is just as likely to get concussed as the hit, as the hit he the guy receiving the hit. Right. When you play a physical game, it's going to take a toll on your body. For sure. You know, but that is also like what I when I look at this is like sometimes you have to rescue the player from themselves. And I feel like being the city that we are, being the hockey program with the history we are, that was just never going to fucking happen. Mm-mm. And if we would have it, it, I feel like in baseball when like sometimes a power hitter's got to learn how to swing a little different, right? In order mm-hmm. for their career to get longer. Sometimes a cornerback has to transition to play safety in order for their career to be a little bit longer. And I feel like there was sometimes a running quarterback has to sit in the pocket. To, yeah. bing, bingo. Bingo, right. they have a longer career. And you have to save that player from themselves. You have to talk to them at a young age about, like, if you keep playing this way, your career is not going to be as long. And I feel like, and I don't know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the training room. Maybe he wasn't receptive to it, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I f- feel like there, there, there wasn't this honing in on the other parts of his game, which were great. Mm-hmm. It's not like the guy was only a freight train. That was one part of his overall game. And there wasn't a, there wasn't a like, hey, we got to dial some of this back. Hey, you don't have to be the most physical guy in the game. Um, but that was never going to happen with this organization, especially at that time. So I feel like there's a bit of two-way street there. Mm-hmm. Um, where like, if you, you know, like you as a player need to know, like, I, you know, ugh, playing this way, it's probably not, you know, am I going to be able to do that at 33? you know, play this way. Like you do have to be a little bit conscious of your own career, but also sometimes people have to, you have do have to save the player for themselves. And that issue with the collapse long, like as far as I'm concerned, the fact that he's even friendly with the organization, I don't know that I could put that behind me. You called me a fucking baby after you almost killed me. Well, I think. They maybe, well, here's, maybe he realized like, he had some wrongdoing too. Well, like, as that you mature, we don't know about, yeah, I'm right? sure as you mature, you you do realize. But nonetheless, a bait. Bob Clark went on television and called that man a baby. 
Yeah, and of course the Flyers fans were going to eat that up, right? Oh, well, we're a tough city, Ed. Right, yeah. And that's where, like, my, um, like, fandom kind of changed where, like, I don't really care about the fights and how many hits you get. Like, I want to see gold scored. You know, like, I want to see, like beautiful passes like that to me is more entertaining now and and kind of like just a little bit of comparison between like a Forsberg and Lindros like I just remember like Forsberg like creating space for everybody he didn't need to be physical to do it you know like like, the thing he like Lindros I don't think was like a like a space creator right like and I'll give a little like analogy to um, like a Ben Simmons. Like, did Lindros need to like what you know? Like, what's the criticism of Simmons? Is that he doesn't shoot and he's not adapting to the game. And look, eventually Simmons is going to slow down and he's not going to be able to get to the basket. So he, you know, like so. I think that Lindros needed to do a little bit of that, you know? Well, and I guess that's what I was saying with the, like, dialing the physicalness back. Because are you going to be able to do that? I think that maybe Allen Iverson is a good discussion point there, right? Because really, once the speed left for Allen, he wasn't a good enough shooter to be a a, a step-in shooter. He needed a lot of shots where he was great was his speed and that he wasn't afraid to make the contact. Mm -hmm. But once that part, part of his game went, it was a pretty fast decline. Yeah. And I think that there is the similarity is when the physicalness, when he couldn't really be the freight train anymore because his head wouldn't allow that to be, that was it. Yeah. You know, and I think that he had the vision and the passing ability to do the other things. I just, it's very hard when you, like, we always have these discussions as fans, as former players, as whatever, of like, you know, who's athletically better or who's this better. And I think that what gets lost in there is the Tim Duncans of the world, the, you know, like the, the people who adapt with the game and play a solid fundamental game and have long careers. Yeah. Um, and we get, we get, I think we as fans get way too wrapped up in, in all of these guys are great athletes. You're a great athlete. If you get to the, to any professional league, like for that's, sure. not, yeah, I mean, that's you know, not, that's not up for debate, right. but then there's the guys that even look like great athletes compared to those guys. <laughs> right. You know, um, and this was our, a little bit of our talk about Dominic Hasek where like, yes, amazing guy to watch. But I think that we get that's that's the the part of percentage. And I guess where, where the next part of what I'm trying to get at is sometimes those guys who are that like have relied on their athletic ability through their entire lives don't learn the other tricks because they haven't had to. Right. And it's like truly the exceptional, like the one percent of the one percent of the one percent that do that. You know, there's only but so many Kobe Bryant's. There's only but so many 
um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like a, another good example of a guy who, um, well, athletically, I'll be, I mean, like I'll take the greatest basketball player of all time is like Jordan, like when his athletic ability, so to speak, started to like declined, he became like this, like somebody that could hit shots yeah, forever. Yeah. Right. Like he, basically saw that in himself and was like i need to adapt and this is i'll become great at this part of the game but those like i guess my point is is like there's a huge chunk of guys like in the middle that aren't the greatest or in the conversation of the great at the greatest ever but were great athletic players but have shorter careers because they can't get out of their own brain with using more than their athletic ability. Yeah. And I mean, true across all sports. Like this isn't a basketball or football. Like it's very hard to not use what got you here. And I feel like when we look at an Eric Lindros um, and we look at what could have been, and I think you're and I feel you're in my feeling. I think we're getting to the same thing here is maybe in different ways, but is really like, he could have been just as good and had a longer career if that game change happened before the physicality was gone. Sure. I mean, look, listen, he was dominating adults at like 14 years old. He was you know dominating. I mean? He was as a rookie. He was beating up adults, you know, as 18 years old, you know, like. I mean, how do you not to, to understand? It's even hard to put yourself into that mindset to even understand that. No, I, I yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, that's where I feel like your coaching staff has to has to be the person to get across to that. To yeah, that. and kind of going back to what you said, maybe like he just wasn't. He might not have been receptive to it. I mean, yeah, I, I, probably know, I don't know what it's like to be six five and a brick shit house. Yeah, like, you know, like kind of like you're not going to tell me what to yeah. do. Like I, I, so I think maybe that's why he's more like friendly to the organization now is maybe he, he realizes made, he, realized like, he made some mistakes too yeah absolutely so but nonetheless so i guess like where we are is it's like i guess where i am is knowing what i know now it's hard to justify that being said i don't know that i trust that flyers organization to not have made the same mistakes with peter forsberg and drafting and trades and goaltending that they did with Eric Lindros. Right. And that's like, it's easy to say like, Oh, for like Forsberg was a piece of a great team. Mm-hmm. He's a hall of fame player. He had a lot of really good players on that team, including a guy who's in the conversation for the best goaltender in the history of hockey. <laughs> right. Right. Like let's call a spade a spade. So, I don't know that it automatically flips the script and the flyers become the avalanche, I guess is my point too. And I don't know. It was fun. It was really fun. Watch like, yes, a lot of heartbreak, but man, those watching those teams was something. I mean, that, that Red Wing series is terrible, right? But those teams every year, you knew that they were in the conversation. And when we we're sitting here in 2021, not just the flyers up until like this very recent Sixers, you'd have to go back to the Andy Reid Eagles to know that every year 
you had a contender. Right. You know, year in and year out, you just don't. Someone had said something. I forget what, what player it was, but you like, it was a hockey player, but they said something effect of you only get so many times when you look around the locker room and you say, we have enough to get there. And the fact that the Flyers had that year in and year out, yes, we didn't win a championship. It still was a good era of Flyers hockey, a good era. Oh, not for sure. Great era, yeah. You know, like, um, and I guess that's so like, I don't trust that that general manager, that team as it was constituted, even with keeping Ricci and Hextall, that the outcome would have been any better. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm on board with that. For sure. Yeah. That's a this pretty good, like, ar- I, I would say, yeah, that's a g- good argument. It's interesting. And, you know, it's definitely interesting. And um, because I, like, I talked a little bit about this when I talked about the next round. I did a, a hockey episode earlier in the week. Um, we talked about the next round of Flyers Hall of Fame players. And I know you and I had sent some messages back and forth about it. But, okay, so so you have to also look at the Flyers dominoes, right? So they don't trade for Lindros. Well, I doubt that they then also trade Recky to get LeClaire and Desjardins, right? Um, Desjardins was your blue liner for a decade. Your best defenseman for a decade. Yeah, he was an awesome player, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, um. And what's crazy to me is like he's your best defenseman for a decade, but looked completely different from the rest of your blue line. And this is not a, like this is not a knock against like um, their typical Flyers defenseman. Like Chris Tarion to me is like the typical Flyers when you look at the Crest defenseman. Mm-hmm. And this is not a knock because he was a perfectly solid top four defenseman in his era, but the big bodied North American mucker defenseman, right? Like, you know, like. <laughs> Eric Desjardins was not that. No, he was like fast. He like he played his He's defense more like a pro by like getting the his stick on the puck. Yeah, and and, and getting skate. out of the zone and yep. skating Making out of read. trouble. Like yeah. Um, and again, Terrian was a, was here forever on a on a very decent defense. This is not like when I say that this is not like the guys like Chris Terrian ruined that team. Like that's not what I'm saying. It's just like a very proto. There's a certain type of player, especially on the blue line, that the Flyers wanted, and Chris Terrian like exemplifies that. That's all, you know. Like, I actually miss Terrian in between periods right now. I will, <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, he was good. I mean, I don't yeah. understand why they. Uh... Well, and I went off. On they this- do this. They do this. Like, I feel like NBC Philly does, does that this. often. Yeah. yeah. But my, my feeling is, is like, I don't, I like Terry and I feel like he should have a job somewhere doing that because he's good at it. But I feel like when you bring in a Scott Hartnell, like, let him be Scott Hartnell. Yeah. And, I, well, maybe, I, I think. Maybe he doesn't want to be. I don't know. No, but like, I, I, what I think it is, is like, he'll settle into the role. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'll get. Hopefully, he gets there. I like Scott Scott Hartnell. I just when I when I see your sign in Scott Hartnell, I want to see big personality. You know, yeah, like I, I think you'll see that. Um, but I also feel like, and this is what annoys me, like about hockey as a sport. 
and um and then we'll we'll kind of move on a little bit but like hockey as a sport is is a sport that has its own slang and i just talked about you know for you guys that are still here what i know i just talked about this deal with it or or turn me off it's fine but a sport that has its own slang they're all kind of goofballs but when you hear them in an interview everything's buttoned up like and i don't know if that's like these guys have been coached to not be have their personalities for a long time or that's what's expected or whatever but like it annoys me that like i got to hear the same clichés got to get pucks deep um, got to get into the blue paint well, i'm not saying i, I want mean, them to come out and throw and throw players under the bus but like no well, they can have some got, fucking fun like no i'm not saying gotta, everybody's got to call a, a, a reporter a, we, a fucking weasel like Voracek did but like a little bit of fun yeah but you're the, the, it's it's run by an organization you know what I mean yeah, like well, but a, I by feel a corporation like, so but I but basketball lets its stars be their stars they do but but you're talking about a broadcast where uh, no, no, no 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 I'm talking about all of it I'm talking about all of it like I don't care fine the broadcast is is going to be it they enter like I feel like I guess what I'm saying is there's a through line here yeah but hockey like, guys are they're more buttoned up. I don't when know you... if it's buttoned up is the right word. Like, uh, um, they're just like, and I don't even think like saying like working class or that's even like appropriate. But they're bros. But like hockey guys are bros. If you actually talk to them, they're bros. <laughs> uh, like they are. But you don't see it, and I don't know what it is. So I guess my point is, is that not, like, it's not, I feel like there's something that happens, and maybe it's culture. It's not each, like, each player making a, a decision. It's culture. And the, and the culture is, is like, oh, when we're in front of the reporter, we're going to give the cliches. Or when we're doing an interview, we're going to do the cliches. And then it runs all the way through. So when you get to the analyst, they've been doing this routine a bit. Since they've been put a recorder in front of their face in their first interview ever. And I feel like for a sport, that's kind of goofy, you know, like. Yeah, but maybe you're generalizing a little bit because I I have seen. I have seen guys like. Be themselves in front of reporters. A little. Well, (sighs) Because if you're taking, like, if you're looking at, um, you know, like, like football, all right? Like, you always get, like, if you're interviewing the quarterback, like, those guys are not spouting off at the mouth or. I don't even want, not, I just I, want them to be able to have fun with it. I think some like, of them do. I mean. I guess when I look at hockey and I, as a, as a, a fan, when I, when I look at it and I like, you gotta, well, I don't think that the sport does a great job at marketing its stars. No, they don't. Um, and part of that, I also feel like is I, I feel like there's this culture of not wanting to, but also a little bit of like, 
I don't know. Like I remember when like Suban a couple years ago used to do like like he would dance during warm ups and one of the jackasses like made a thing about it. Mm-hmm. And it was like they're not letting us like just let him be himself. Let him have fucking fun. It's not affecting his. Well, game. I gotta say, like, I think a lot of you gotta consider that a lot of these guys just aren't comfortable with being in front of the camera, you know. Or, or yeah. I think that has more to do with it. Like, for for instance, like if you take me personally, like, um, I could be like silly and be myself around you, but like as soon as you put a camera on me, like, or anything like that, like. It changes it the dynamic. Changes it. So I think that's more to do with it. I and maybe my emphasis is on the wrong syllable here. Maybe it's not even on the player. But I feel so where like I'm annoyed with with like the quote unquote game. Because I feel like the game right now is the best version of hockey that I've gotten to watch. You know, like the sport is the most skilled that I've ever seen. The guys are fast. It, you know, like, it's an exciting game. There's momentum swings. It's not the clutch and grab of the 90s, which was not palatable. Like, um, and when I look and I just feel like even for people that might watch or, or are Flyers fans, like, at this point in 2021, how much do, do people know about the other stars in the league? Like people can name the average star in other leagues. And then like, how much does even in Philadelphia, which is a bit like a, we do have a hockey culture here. It's not like we're, you know, the Florida Panthers or something, you know? Um, I just think that the league at one point invested in those kind of things and then stopped. So maybe my problem is with the league. It's not even with the players. Probably. It's not even with the um, the broadcast. It's with the league. And I feel like I feel like they've made decisions to try and win casual fans that don't really exist. And I feel like if you did a job, if you invested a little bit in marketing your stars and bringing. Like why this is a fun game to people rather than trying to do that with, you know, really short intermission shows. Like I just think that there's something really missing in bringing the sport. Like I feel like they what they give you turns like the actual fan off a little bit to try and reach for an audience that doesn't exist. They're not even marketing to that audience that doesn't right. exist. You know, like my feeling is, is like the person watching in between periods or pre and post game wants to like, I want to see them provide statistics or video that's different than what I'm getting. And I feel like they feel like they're providing that kind of stuff for the casual. And I would say the casual isn't watching those things. Yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting on a on a really good point. And there are a lot of like really young, like marketable stars. And like the game has gotten younger and, and like faster. And I think there are marketable stars. And I, I also understand that they are in, and I feel like football runs in a little bit with the helmets. It's harder to market those guys. Um, but 
because you don't see them as much as you no, see basketball yeah, I mean, or baseball. Yeah, that's true. But that being said, I think that we're missing something. So another topic for another for day. sure. Yeah. All right. Man. I think we hit everything we want to hit so. on. I think just so. To, just to close yeah. out, if you were given the choice again, do you do the Lindros trade or not do the Lindros trade? Man. Um, I probably would not do it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think I wouldn't do it. Uh I, I, I like all your points about like what the organization would have done. Um, but you don't know. Right. I mean, it's a pan, you, you just right. don't know. But I think that I still would. But that's all right, me. man. <laughs> all right. Until all right, next I'll time. Talk to you. Bye. All right. See you.